Well, good morning. It's, it's, uh, it's good to be together. It felt weird that we canceled last week. I know it was cold, and on Saturday at least it looked like the, the weather was going to be bad, and I don't know. I woke up Sunday then like, ah, I think maybe we could have made it happen, but, um, but what it really made me realize was that it didn't feel right to not be together, and even I felt like I was in a funk for just, it just felt like, uh, I just was like, ugh, this doesn't feel good, you know, yeah. And, um, and it just made me realize, like, how desperately I need this moment and how, how much I need to, to worship together and to just be together and to pray together and to look to Jesus together. And, and it just made me be like, Lord, would you allow us all to to gather every week and just to see his hand in like, like th- this isn't just this like, oh, we should, we should play at church once a week. But it's like, no, like my soul needs this moment and my life needs this moment. And, and if I don't have this moment, like my life is really missing something. And so, so I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been antsy to get together and to, to, to have this time together and for us to open the word of God together. And it is crazy but this is the second to last week in the book of Genesis. And we started this book a long time ago, um, two years ago. We started going through this book, and um, we've, we're more than 50, I think we're in the 70s of weeks that we've been in the book of Genesis. And this is chapters 48 and 49. Uh, then, Lord willing, next Sunday um, will be chapter 50. And um, one of the things, as we're kind of taking a higher level look at 48 and 49, it made me actually think back to our outdoor church service. I don't know if you were here for that, but uh, that was a, a day that was way warmer than, it, ended up, it was like a perfect day. It was, it was wonderful to be outside. We had tried to do outside services several times, and it always felt like it was threatening to rain, and our, our sound system's not waterproof and all this stuff. So we've always, you've been like, it might not be worth ruining our sound system to try and have an outdoor service. But, but that outdoor service was, felt significant. And one of the things I actually remember, a lot of times I don't even remember what I preach on. You know, if it's like, Tim, what did you, what was your sermon about six weeks ago? I'd be like, I have no idea. You know, like, I I really, I mean, I can look and really start thinking about it. Um, But one of the things I've kind of come to realize is like, we need these days. We, We need a sermon. And it's kind of like a meal, I think, in some ways. It's like, can you remember what you had for dinner six weeks ago? You know, it's like, probably not. But I know I had dinner, and I know that I am eating because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> you know, so I know I have been eating, even though I can't quite remember maybe what a certain meal was. Well, for that outdoor service, I actually remember that sermon because I remember how struck I was by the idea of the treasures that each of us have. And that truly there are like two treasures, no matter how much money you make, where you live, what your job is, any of that stuff, what your background is, like for each of us, there are two treasures that I felt like was highlighted through the life of Abraham at that time and that we're going back into today, which is the first treasure, like true treasure of our lives being God's presence. Like he is the type of God that is not far away 
He is not an angry God that just sends us messages of how terrible we are and we need to deal with life. He actually is like, I am coming for you and I am living with you. And my presence is, is truly, when, when you look at the whole course of your life, God's presence in your life to say, that's been the greatest thing in my life is I've been able to live before the face of God. I've had his presence in my life. And then the second treasure being God's promises that he has been present and he has given me promises that don't fade, that don't wither. And we are at the end of Jacob's life and those two concepts. So as we move into chapter 48 and 49, I want us to like kind of have our antenna up and be sensitive to what a man could say at the end of his life and what he does say, and especially what he says about God's presence and God's promises to us. And so can, can we pray into that as we dive into Genesis 48? Um, Lord, I know many of us have been sick as that's just feels like gone through our community. Um, many of us don't feel 100%. And um, many of us have, have been snowed in and all this stuff, Lord. And I, I pray that would you just allow us to be present with you right now and present with each other. And I just thank you for the gift of our worship team, the gift of that time of worship. I, I do uh, hope that that, was good for all of our souls to just cry out to you, lift you up high. And God would, even as we hear you, as, as we hear these words, would they not just be empty words? Would we truly be hearing you speaking to us? We need that so desperately. We want that. And if we don't want that, would you put it in our hearts to want that? And Lord, would we, would, would this just not be my words, but would we hear from you this morning? Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So Genesis 48 verse one starts by saying, after this, um, Joseph was told. So after Joseph and Jacob and all the people get settled in Egypt and, and, and their life is in Egypt now because of the famine that's still happening. It, time has passed, and now after this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Verse 2, And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And we'll just pause there and the, the way that this is described to us is for us to actually picture it. You know, not, not all the time is, is, or is scripture described to us in a way that we can like kind of easily picture what's happening. And here we're able to picture that Jacob is in bed 
And it takes all of his strength just to sit up. That's how, how sick he is. That's how close to death he is. And after a lifetime, what I love is like, he has had promises from God that he has hoped would come true. And at this time in Jacob's life, it would seem that the promises are no closer to coming true. A guy has lived his whole life trusting in something, trusting in promises. And the reality, like, look how he says, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. So he's talking about a place that's not in Egypt. He's saying, God met with me north of here, far north of here, over 100 miles away. He appeared to me and he said, hey, be fruitful, multiply, and I'm going to make of you this great company of people, and I'm going to give this land to you, to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And for Jacob to realize, like, I'm not going to be able to be a part of that. Like, I'm ending my life not even in that country that has been promised to me. I'm far from the country that's been promised to me. And not only that, like, my life's been hard. It, like, yes, Jacob is, like, well-fed, and he is in Egypt. But for decades, he was being tricked by people. He was tricking people. He was so being tricked by people that for decades, his sons tricked him into believing that, that, that his other son, Joseph, had died without saying, like, no, we actually tried to kill him. And so... And then what's crazy on top of that is that Jacob is not in the country that's been promised to him. And what's on the sun, like that's the sunset. What's on the sunrise is that for 400 years, for the next 400 years, his people are going to be slaves in Egypt where they are going to be tried to be brainwashed, to be taught totally different things than what God has taught them. And so these promises seem to be deeply threatened because Jacob's family are about to spend 400 years. So Jacob's not like, man, this is up and to the right and it's going to be amazing. Jacob, I feel like could look at his life and be like, man, this has kind of been a big failure. Like no one's, my country is not coming to pass Jacob can't get out of bed, takes all of his strength to just sit up. And what I love is when Jacob speaks to his grandsons, the first thing he says is God Almighty. Instead of him being like, man, let me tell you about all the lessons I've learned and how my life's been this and this, and this has been hard and this has been hard. He's like, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about God Almighty, how he actually appeared to me. And I love, like, you see what he is thinking about at the end of his life. You see what he is putting his significance of his life on. And he's like, God Almighty actually appeared to me. And he blessed me. And he gave me promises. And he said that my descendants would actually have this land and he's embracing 
this and he's embraced it for decades. And I just, the way I've envisioned Jacob this week is like you go in, you know, it's kind of like a sick room and Jacob's just trying to sit up in bed and no one's looking impressive. And it's almost like out of this like satchel, it's how I've been envisioning it. You kind of open this dusty satchel and there's like gold in there that cannot be tarnished that like nothing is going to ruin it and that gold are the promises that Jacob has held onto and carried with him for his entire life and they have they are no closer to fading as his life is fading and Jacob is is embracing this and tragedy has not worn out the promises of God and then Jacob, Jacob continues look at verse 7 as for me he's he's telling this to his grandsons as for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. I've been, I've been struck by that simple statement because if, if we zoom out and it's like, we don't know if Jacob has spoken to Manasseh and Ephraim very often. And what Jacob chooses to tell his grandsons of all of Jacob's life and how he, how he wrestled with God and how, how he saw Jacob's ladder. He saw a ladder of angels ascending and descending and all this stuff. Like he could talk about all these things. And he says, God Almighty appeared to me gave me promises. And I also want to let you know, like my best friend died along the way. And it's really the only two things that he mentions like biographically as he is getting ready to bless them. And, um, and J Rachel had died many, many, many years, like decades before this. So like he very, he, he didn't have to mention this, but he wanted to mention it to, to signify like as God has been with him and as God's promises have been with him, like he has had deep grief. And what you feel from Jacob is like the grief hasn't lessened through the years. And um, man, I felt so much of this this week in my life, thinking about the death of my wife and, and just the, that being such a major part of my story my family's story and a major part of our church's story. And it's actually comforted me this week to think like Jacob decades later goes straight there in letting them know like how much he loved her and how sad it was as God was leading them that she wasn't able to be a part of the whole story. And, um, and but he wanted them to know how much he loved their grandmother. And, um, and that the sadness and the pain is still there decades later. And Jacob doesn't mind talking about it with Joseph and talking about it with grandkids who never met her. And Jacob doesn't see his life through the lens of a big failure. What I love is Jacob actually views his life with big faith. He doesn't see a big failure. He sees big faith because of the big God that's part of his life. Look at verse 15. 
and he blessed Joseph. So this is after he says what he says. He blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. Okay, we know a lot about Jacob. Look at this next line. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. For the old man Jacob to say, I'm telling you about God, and I'm telling you about the God who has been my shepherd all my life. And we've observed parts of his life where you're like, really? He was there for that? Uh, It seemed like you didn't know he was there. But Jacob can say, he has been with me. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And then look at this. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. What does he do with this God, with this angel? Bless the boys. He's got these two grandsons in front of him. Bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. I I love this charge that Jacob is giving to Joseph and his sons. It's It's like a statement and a prayer on the sunset of Jacob's life. And on the sunrise of 400 years of slavery, where holding on to their identity can seem almost impossible. Where it can seem like, man, are God's promises going to be held by all of these generations who don't make it to the country? Who don't get to make it home and are just hoping that what was the promises from God are sound. And that God's presence is still there. And Jacob so boldly talks... And what I love is he doesn't talk about the country that's coming. He talks about the king of the country. He boldly focuses on God and says, he has been my shepherd. He has guided me. He's been with me. He's been present in my life. And then he mentions the angel who has redeemed him from all evil. And what he is likely talking about here is the angel he wrestled with all night long in a really key place in his life of of how he was going to go as he's getting ready to face Esau, his brother, and to talk about an angel who is not likely an angel at all, but the creator of the angels, Jesus himself. As we read that passage and talked about that, it had to have been Jesus himself. And so as Jacob talks about this angel and talks about this God who has been my shepherd, I love what then he does is he he says, God, the way that you've been present with me, the things that you have, have taught me, would you bless these boys? Would you be with them in the way that you have been with me? And I, I just feel like this is so powerful, and I, I really want this for my life, and I, I want it for all of our lives, which is like, you know, if, if we're giving the, the opportunity after maybe living decades and decades and decades and decades um, to be able to, like, sit down with grandkids and say, like, he, he shepherded me. He, he's walked with me. Um, these promises 
Look how they haven't worn out. They're just as vibrant now as they were when I first heard them. And would he walk with you the same way? Would he bless you the same way that he's blessed me? Would you live this life? And would you be able to hand on these God's presence? Would you be able to speak of God's presence? And would you be able to, to share God's promises in such a way? He repeats this again. Look at verse 21. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die. So Jacob is saying to his son Joseph, Behold, I am about to die. Look at this. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. You see that presence and promises even in this one sentence. And it's going to take 400 years for this thing to play out. And what Jacob is saying at the end of his life is like, he's going to be with you. And he's going to make sure that what he's telling you happens. And kind of like, peace out. <laughs> that, that's what I got. That, that's what I got. And what I think is... I was like wrestling with all this because it was like, man, is this, is this what this is saying? Is this like, you know, you might, it might be like, well, that's kind of simple. Is, is that like, and I read Hebrews chapters, chapter 11, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and if you're familiar with he, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11 is known as, as not the hall of fame, but it's known as the hall of faith. So the chapter is about Old Testament believers who walked with God faithfully. And it basically just gives like a quick line about like, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Moses did this. And it's an incredible chapter. And what struck me is that of all of the things that Jacob could have been talked about with his walk with God, it's this moment that Hebrews 11 highlights as the faithful moment for all of us to know a God being a, a guy being faithful um, in his life. So look at Hebrews 11 verse 21 says, "By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff." So it's showing him like if he's in bed and maybe like somehow he's like not even able to stand up and he is he is blessing his sons to to follow God in the way that he has learned to follow God and he's worshiping he's actually worshiping God as he is he is recognizing like this is not like the goal of my life isn't to make my grandkids like think I'm awesome the goal of my life isn't like to to have this like you know, for everybody to think that I was the best or I was the most impressive or any of that stuff. Like you see in Jacob's heart and in his faith, it's, it's like, God's been with me. I'm worshiping him. He's going to be with you. You walk with him and you hold on to these promises. Jacob is worshiping God for God's presence in his life as the shepherd of his soul, delighting in God's promises to him he speaks to the next generation, the presence of God for them. 
the promises of God for them to receive, to cling to, to live out. And then Jacob then goes on in chapter 49 with these eyes of faith to say like, hey, I'm actually going to tell you what's going to happen. So as he's walking with God, God's giving him insight into what's going to happen in the future. And these people who are learning about this God and the invitation that this God has to, to walk with him, to hold on to these promises for a lifetime, even if you don't see them come, come about until after your life. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 says, all these people died holding on to these promises, looking ahead to when they will come about. And, but, but Jacob gives them a gift. God gives them a gift through Jacob to say like, hey, through this like 400 years of wasteland where you're just building the pyramids and being slaves in this nation and Moses will have to be raised up to lead them out. But I'm going to let you know like things are going to happen on the other side of that. Which one of the gifts of like God saying, I'm going to let you know what's happening on the other side of that is that when you're in it, you can know there's going to be another side to it. It's not going to last forever. There will be a day when these things happen. And one of the things that Jacob is able to see is he's able to see what God is planning and what God is even promising in advance to what he's going to do through Judah, one of his sons. Look at Genesis 49, starting in verse 8. Judah, and this is like not just informative, this is like necessary for us to hear because these are promises given to us. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. So there'll be, a, there'll be a day where the brothers are praising Judah or praising a descendant of Judah. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. This descendant through Judah is not going to be a victim, is not going to be one whose enemies triumph over him. He is going to be one that is going to triumph strongly over his enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. This will be one who's actually worthy of worship. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. This one has, has stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? Look at this. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, of all peoples. It's amazing. Like Jacob is seeing this from afar. To him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. And this, there's a version where this could be speaking about King David who comes through Judah and becomes the, the great king of Israel. 
And, and all scholars believe that this is speaking even further of the king of Israel, speaking of what Jesus will do, what is coming. And what's amazing is like when, G, when Jacob saw Jesus from his vantage point, and it's amazing, like he had wrestled with him. And he's speaking of him as the angel. And he is also looking forward and saying like, Judah, who is coming like, Egypt is not going to get the last word here. Egypt's slavery is not getting the last word. Who is coming? And what's amazing is we're on the other side of it where we are waiting for him to come back. And he is saying he is present with us. And he's giving us his promises. Because Jesus himself is the promise. He is, the, he is God's presence. And he is the, the, the promise. And as Jacob could have felt like a failure if he would just been like, yeah, but I'm not in my country. Like Jacob could have looked at the thing that's like, well, yeah, all that's good. But like the country that was promised to me is really far away and I'm here and I, get, I don't get to enjoy it. But Jacob like has this deep well inside of him because his focus is not on the country. His focus is on the king and that the king is with him and has him. And has given him these promises. And, and one of the, you know, I, I trust the Holy Spirit to apply this to us. And however, he needs to apply this to us. But one of the things that I've just felt is for us to ask the question, like, where in my life is my focus on my circumstances? Like, where in my life am, can I look at my life and be like, ah, oh, this doesn't look good. Or I wish that this was different. Like where in our life is our focus on our circumstances and where God is saying like, hey, I'm inviting you to come off of that and actually put your weight, put your thought, put your hopes on the king, on God's presence. So that if someone's like, hey, talk to me about your life. Instead of being like, oh gosh, okay. Well, this is hard. This has been hard. Man, this is tough. Man, I'm really here, here. I feel like Jacob could do all of those things. And what's just really challenged me this week is to be like, hey, tell me about your life. God Almighty, let me start there. It's not to mean those other things aren't real, but that when God's promises and God's presence are the treasure of our life, it actually helps us to navigate everything else together, helps us navigate it with faith, what God's doing here, how, the way that he is going to work things out so that we're not trying to have to be our own savior. We can actually let him save us and change us and actually have joy in the meantime. And you could be like, well, that's just foolish. And man, it's a gift Scripture is a gift, and also know that the book of Philippians is written by a guy who's in prison, and it's known as a book of joy. Because what his focus on is, was on, is on is God's presence and God's promises, and not just focusing on his circumstances, because that's a nasal-gazing thing that's just not going to take us up. But to actually let him shepherd us, 
God, I, I, I need you to shepherd me. I, I get to be a pastor of this church, but I am a very, very small, lowercase p pastor. I am not the shepherd of this church. I get to be a part of shepherding this church, but you are the shepherd of this church. You are the shepherd of our souls. We, even if we believe this is true, that God, it's your presence that is our greatest treasure, that it's your untarnished promises that we live on. God, is so easy for us not to feel that. It's so easy for us to, to, to be overcome by waves of anxiety or fear or just the weight of the world on us. And Lord, would you give us just a special moment that it may, may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you give us a special moment this morning where you just shepherd our souls, where we commune with you? As, as we're taught that it was a great moment of faith for Jacob to talk about you this way. Lord, would you give us the gift of a great moment of faith to commune with you this way. As Jacob ended his life clinging to your promises and being giddy even that those who followed him would embrace these promises just the same. Lord, would you do that in our lives? Would you do that in the lives of our families? Would you take us deep into your promises, what you say to us? And God, we pray that there would be generations changed because of how we have been taught by you to cling to what you teach us and to hold on to those as the greatest inheritance we have in our lives. So Lord, I, I just ask that you would give us the gift of the ability to commune with you right now. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So a way that we do he, he teaches us, he, he made this, he thought this up as a way to commune with him in a way that the, that the angel has delivered Jacob from evil that, that I trust like missing this last week. Like this is a time that we commune with him where he changes us, brings us close teaches us greater than our circumstances. And so, man, I, I would just encourage that let's spend some moments communing with him. Let's spend some moments uh, opening our life to him, letting him direct us and teach us. And um, if, if you don't know where you're at with Jesus, uh, this would be a great time to just give your life to him. Just a free fall of your life into his arms and he will catch you. And if you don't know what that's about, or you're like, man, I, I feel like I need to know a little bit more about that. I'd love to talk to you about that or someone close to you. Uh, if, if you know, like, hey, I, I don't think I'm there where, where I follow Jesus. I've given my life to him. I would encourage you just pass on this and just spend those times just talking to him. He hears, he would love to, to, to communicate that to you um, of, and, and inviting you to him. 
And so, uh, but, so let's take a few moments and let's all respond and come to him. Come down the center aisle. The Shiptons will serve you the elements. Take wine or juice, obey your conscience. Go back to your seat. We'll remain standing. Then we'll take it together as family. I'll lead us through that.